0: Hey, it's your girl Charlene with Soul Sisters Talk, and we are back for another episode today. Listen, I want to talk to you today about something we really don't like to talk about. Most families historically have shied away from this topic with fear that it would make them have to face the inevitable. But one day, we all must face this, the departing from this life and the transition to our next. So today I have in the studio with me, my very own agent, a friend I would say, and she's here to be an expert and to talk to us about this conversation. And you're saying, Charlene, what is this conversation about? And it is that we're gonna talk today about the importance of planning for the unforeseen life insurance and its benefits. I'd like to welcome to the show, Miss Crystal Frey Davis. Good afternoon, Charlene. Thank you for having me too. I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Crystal is a busy and well-accomplished lady, and I am just privileged and honored that she would take the time to be with me today. Miss Crystal is an independent contractor agent and CEO of her own insurance company, Crystal Frey State Farm Insurance in Wilmington, North Carolina. So thanks for traveling down to Raleigh to be with us. She is a native of Raleigh, North Carolina, and she was recruited um, to State Farm over 30 years ago in Michigan. Her um, career includes a position in claims, agency field, leadership, and agencies spanning three states and six cities before ever landing into Wilmington. So you have been busy. I have been you? busy, yes. <laughs> She is a graduate from East Carolina University with a bachelor's degree in English writing. I told her earlier, do not read anything I wrote because she's probably critiquing it all. (laughs) She also has earned her master's of business management and leadership from Montreat College. She is a 36 year member of the AKA sorority. She serves on various boards She is married to Ernest Davis and together they have four beautiful children and four grandkids. Mm -hmm. You are busy. (laughs) I am.
1: Never a dull moment um, Charlene, but what I'm here today to talk about is something that is a part of my passion and that is helping our families and our communities create a legacy. Um, I think that we are missing out on some simple opportunities to change the lives of our families and our communities by leveraging simple products like the one we're going to talk about today to help keep our families secure for generations to come. That's good. Okay. So um, that's something that has been a passion for me and Throughout my career, I have um, tried to promote that as much as possible. I'm also really passionate about women, women in business, and opportunities for women of color um, through business. So all of this kind of culminates in what we're going to talk about today.
0: Very good. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's important when we know information to share information. And I know a lot of times in our communities, we get... I I don't know. Maybe the word isn't blame, but we kind of get blamed for not being able to know the next step. Right. And a lot of times we don't know because we haven't been exposed to it. Right. And so today we're going to try to do our best to expose people um, on the information they need to know about future planning. I was looking up a statistic and I found a statistic that was shocking to me um, and I wanted to share with you. Okay. It says out of 6,850 people that die every day, Mm -hmm. 3,292 of them die without life insurance. Yes. At all. Nothing. Another 1,445 people die without adequate insurance by their own admission right so they already knew that they didn't have adequate insurance so 48 percent of people who pass away every day leave no life insurance benefits behind and another 21 percent don't leave enough to calculate what's needed right is that, are those statistics alarming to you or is that something that you were already pretty much aware of?
1: I, I was already pretty much aware of it. I look at different sets of statistics every day. Um, and I want to kind of back up a little bit to, so we can launch into why is that? Okay. Um, and that kind of goes to what people think of when they hear life insurance. Okay. I think it's a detriment to even call it insurance Mm. because insurance is usually something you get in case something happens, right? Ooh, that's good. Life insurance is something that you get for something that's guaranteed to happen, Mm. which is your death or the death of a loved one in your family. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're talking about is the foundation of a financial plan, Okay. Because a, a, a death always, always leads to a financial consequence,
0: mm.
1: okay? Whether it's just the cost of the burial, the funeral, the cremation, um, or the loss of an income yes. that helps to pay bills, right? Yeah. The loss of future income. If that person is, has not stopped working or left the workforce, so uh, death always is gonna always leads to a financial yeah. consequence. Yeah. Always, so people need to relate that together. They don't want to do that; it's uncomfortable. But you know, it, life insurance makes sure there's money so that your family or the people that are left behind don't have to go through catastrophic changes. Um, it provides money to leave a legacy, you know, maintain air property, pay taxes, send children to college, help them become future homeowners. It's, It's money for all of that. Life insurance is for the financial consequences of a death. Um, another way I like to refer to it is it's a love letter. Life insurance is the love letter that you give to your family when you die. I like that. And what that love letter says is up to you. Wow. It, it's really difficult to, and I wouldn't say convince or persuade, but it's really difficult to have a conversation with anyone
0: about life insurance if they don't love anybody. That is such a powerful analogy mm-hmm. you just used. Um, because we're talking about what life insurance is um, opposed to what people think it is, right? right? You're saying this and I do this every day. Right. And what it is, is ensuring that you take care of those things that are consequences is the word you use. That's going to definitely happen after you pass, whether it's a loss of income. um, What were some of the things you said? Um, Burial expenses. Charges. There's always medical expenses. There's things that happen happen that you have to take care of. But then you put the twist to it and you said, it's a love letter. Right. It actually shows the people that you are departing from how much you, wow. And yeah, <laughs> just a sidebar. When you said that, you know, we just lost my brother some time ago and I had a conversation with him. Um, he knew he was terminally ill mm-hmm. and I had a conversation with him and he said, my goal was to ask God to give me enough time. Mm-hmm. To make sure that everything my wife and family was going to need right. when I'm gone was taken care of. Right. That from the moment they lay me down, they would have no other worries right. about anything financial. Right. And that was so powerful. So to have you tie that into a love letter, that's exactly what he was saying. I love you this much. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I'm gonna keep that for a long time.
1: <laughs> keep that for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and um so if the financial consequence for you is just my family is going to need enough money to bury me or cremate me. They're going to need money to do that. Yeah. Then, you know, put together a plan to do that. But like you said with with your brother, he had a spouse, he had a family, they have a house. They have they're not going to have his income for the rest of their life so he needs to put together a different kind of plan and a different kind of letter to leave behind for that family so everyone's letter is going to be different that's
0: good and so since you're saying that talk to us about what are the different types of insurance policies and plans that are out there that people should consider to create their love letter right so
1: uh there's a debate in our industry all the time about what's better So, you know, we all sell basically two different types of life insurance policies. We sell a term policy Mm -hmm. and we sell a permanent or whole life policy. So a term policy is usually really less expensive. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can buy more of a death benefit for less money with a term policy. Okay. But term is exactly what it says, it's for a specific number of years, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And at the end of that term, so you've been paying $50 a month for 30 years, all of a sudden that bill becomes $1,000 a month. So you got a, just a decision to make at the end of each one of those, do I keep this? Mm-hmm. Which most people don't. Or do I move on to something else? And all of that money you've paid is
0: essentially gone.
1: There's no cash value for that, and there's a place for that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't ever get into one's better than the other mm-hmm. because everyone's situation is. But different. the
0: reality is, if once that term expires, mm-hmm. if you're still living, right, the
1: all that money. Are gone. Right. Okay, all right. So I mean, we've got some where you can get all your money back mm-hmm. at the end of the term. They they cost a little bit more, mm-hmm. but. You know, the more features and benefits, the more it's going to cost. Right. So with a whole life or a permanent life, you set it up, you set, you know, you get a premium quoted for the amount of death benefit and it stays the same forever. Okay.
0: It's going to cost you more. That amount stays the same, it never goes up? The Is premium that stays that? the okay.
1: same, doesn't go up. It's going to cost you more money, so you, you won't get as much death benefit, but you'll get some cash value that builds up in that policy and you can take advantage of that cash value while you're living if you want to borrow against it if you want to withdraw it um you know you can use it for a down payment on a car on for bills emergencies it doesn't matter it's your money so you can and you can do it usually without any taxes or penalties on it oh wow so term is cheaper Permanent costs more, but it's got more benefits with the cash value. So when I was first being trained on these, they used to tell us it's like renting and buying, right? Okay. So you, when you rent a house, you sign a lease for a specific term, right? And at the end of that term, the landlord can raise the rent, right? And you can decide whether you're going to stay there or you're going to move on to something else. Um, with a permanent, when you go in and buy your house, you gotta pay more up front, right? You gotta pay closing costs and the down payment. So it's more expensive, but you've got equity in that home. Okay. And that's like the cash value. I mean, similar, but that's not good. the same. Yeah, but
0: yeah,
1: yeah. good analogy. so um there's there's a place for both of those. Okay. So I tell people Term is wonderful for young
0: families. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. next. How do you determine which type you should go? Okay, Mm -hmm. so term, let's go over term. Just let me review those. So we said term, they're going to be less expensive for the consumer to purchase. And they're going to have a specific number of years that that policy is active. Right. And so that's one variable. Then we said whole life or permanent life. Right. And that's gonna be a set premium right. for the duration of your life. right? It's going to be a little more expensive to get into. Right. Um, you said that it offers cash value, so you can borrow against that. Right. There's typically no taxes or penalty to that. Right. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. With the whole life policy, as I borrow, am I, if I have $100,000, mm-hmm. and you can tell me if I'm jumping ahead, if I have $100,000 and I'm borrowing against that hundred, and I pass, Whatever I borrow has been decreased from the, the policy amount. Okay. Right, oh, right, right. Okay. So then, how do I go about choosing? I'm. Let's talk about if I'm younger. What is the recommended age that you think someone should actually have a policy? Do um, you think we should get them for our newborn babies? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, um,
1: I think that remember we were talking about that love letter. The mm-hmm. first gift that you can give to your children when they're born healthy is to get them a whole life policy, right? Because oftentimes as the cash value builds in those policies, the policy can get to a point where it's paying for itself. So when that child gets to be 18, 20 and they're going to college, it's got a little bit of cash value in it if, if they need help with a down payment on a car or something like that, or if any time during that period, their health changes. So I always tell the story of my brother, um, and I'll make it brief. So he was born healthy, okay? My parents did not buy any life insurance. At age eight, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Mm. In his 30s, he started to lose his eyesight and his kidney function, and he died at age 40. So, But on the day that he was diagnosed with that type 1 diabetes, where he was injecting insulin, and this was a long time ago, he became uninsurable. So buying life insurance for for children protects their insurability for a lifetime.
0: lifetime. Wow. That's really... I mean, I I think we think about it, right? Right. You know, you get when you're having babies, you get those little Gerber notes, and you see the insurance and parents think about it. And then I'm sure you'll talk about this at some point. What it is that we sometimes how that doesn't last, right? right? We tend to let those things slip by. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. Um, so starting young is what you recommend. Is it too ever an age that's too late to get a policy?
1: Most policies are gonna stop issuing. Uh, insurance at eighty or eighty five. Okay. So I'm gonna let, let, I'm gonna kind of talk about the progression of your life insurance planning. Okay. okay. So most of us we miss out on the opportunity to either have somebody buy a policy on us when we're babies, or to buy policies when we're young. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell a twenty year old, you know, you're gonna die someday, because yes. they don't believe anything is gonna happen to them. But what I usually see is people come to me in their thirties, okay. okay, and they've got a family, got a spouse, they got a couple of kids, they got a mortgage, they got some student loan debt. I mean, African Americans carry more student loan debt generally than other populations, um, and they they need a whole lot of life insurance, right? The mortgage they've got to cover. You know, they need a half a million, million dollars in life insurance, but how do you pay for that? Right. So you look at probably buying a term policy. Okay, you're 35, you buy a 30-year term. How old are you gonna be when that term reaches a ma- maturity? 65, 65, right? And what can happen during that time period? You can have a uh, health complication. You know, what I'm running into now is everybody's on anxiety meds. Everybody, you know, um, but your health could change during that time period. So do I tell them not to buy term? No. What I tell them to do is probably look at a combination of term and a small That's whole small. life. That's good. So that when they get to the end of that term, whatever their health is, They are already protected. Right. And by then the kids are grown, you know, they maybe not don't need as much of a death benefit at that point. That's good. So the to determine what type is best for you, you've got to determine what is it that I need Mm -hmm. to leave for my family right now? Okay, so. You know, is it to pay off the house so my family doesn't have to deal with foreclosure and bill collectors? And do I want to, you know, leave some money to send my kids to college? Do I want, you know, my widow or widower not to worry about making ends meet? Or do I just need money for a funeral? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is how much death benefit do you need? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's different for everybody. The second thing is um, how much do I want to pay for it? Right. Because the only policy that's gonna pay out when you die is the one that's in effect. Right. So to you know, a lot of people say, Well, I want this much, but I only want to pay this, this much. much. So we've got to kind of come up with a plan that fits that. Because if you if you're struggling to pay the premium, life insurance should not be a struggle, right? Okay. It should not be a struggle. So let's get the best thing to in guarantee. Life. Life. That it's going to be in effect on the day that you die, mm-hmm. and that those are the two things to look at. And that and that's kind of what I work with, with my clients on is okay. We know you need five hundred thousand. Now, how much can you realistically commit to get that five hundred thousand? Well, you know that's going to determine whether we can cover all of it or some of it, and continue to meet. To build on that going forward, that's
0: good. So you you would sit down with them and have look at their financial right. profile right now. Okay, right. okay. Wow. So determining the, the the type that you best need mm-hmm. would determine what your expenses are currently right. or your projected expenses are if if something was to happen right. to you. Okay. Um, is there a baseline that insurance starts at? Is there like a minimum amount that you can get? So for a most uh, whole life policies,
1: so you got a basic burial policy, it's $10,000 generally. Okay. It's for people 50 and older. Okay. Okay. And then our minimum whole life for most people is 25000 but it can go up to any number you want it okay. to. Okay. Um, for the term, our term starts at a
0: minimum of 100000 and it can go up to any number you want it to. Okay. Okay. OK, Okay. so it, it sounds like there's a lot of things to take into consideration when you're getting this very vital. Right. It's almost like having health insurance. Right. You don't realize you need health insurance until you need, need health, health insurance. insurance. Right. So we want to keep that. What type of things can the funds be used for? I know you kind of talked about that a little bit. Right. But can you talk a little more about?
1: Yeah. So you can, it, so the on a life insurance policy, you name a beneficiary. Okay. That, that money goes to that beneficiary most of the time, income tax free.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, And that beneficiary that. can do whatever they want to do with it unless you set out some specific Requirements in your will.
0: That's what I was gonna yeah. ask you. Okay. So is life insurance a separate entity from your um will? Right. Okay. Okay. Right.
1: Um, the good thing, the important thing about life insurance is it's tax-free money to the beneficiary, it's cash that they can get really quickly. It it goes outside of your estate, it goes directly to whoever you name as the beneficiary. So, like we said, the beneficiary can use it to pay bills, to pay off a mortgage, to send a kid to school. You can designate a church, an alumni association, a community program like the Boys and Girls Club. Because some people say, I don't have any children. Do you have a favorite cause? Do you have a church? Do you have your uh, you know, HBCU that you want to leave this money to? You can do that. We need to do that We need because our HBCU giving is, yes. is, is not where it should be. You can, that way you can create a different kind of legacy, right? Right. So my daughter went to Campbell law school and they were working with their alumni to take out a $10,000 whole life policy and name the law school as the beneficiary. Oh, wow. So, um, You can set up a family trust, which is what I've done. We talked about before we started Mm -hmm. and put the money in the trust and have the beneficiaries receive a little bit at a time. Instead of them getting a lump sum, because a lot of people don't do well with lump sums of money, that's really good.
0: And so our agents will help us. Right. So it's not just them giving us, okay, here's your ten thousand dollar policy, or twenty thousand, or a hundred thousand. There, you will actually sit down and help us look at the best planning right. for these finances. Is that the same thing? Or oh, I know. Oh, let me see how to ask this question. When you were talking about this planning of those particular finances, our insurance, is that the same what we're doing when we're doing our will and living will stuff? Do you do that kind of stuff as well?
1: I don't, I'm not a lawyer. However, I do have a wonderful resource, and I brought it to you, and and your people can't see, but it's called Estate Plan, Your Personalized Checklist. Okay. And it's a conversation that we can have that you can then take to your attorney to put together your will. So
0: you can get the footsteps and started for us. right. Okay. And that's really good because, again, I think we talked about earlier, sometimes we... We we have one component of it, but we don't know what to do with the next, next. step. Right. You know, people may can invest. I got a letter from my um, um, investment company. I said, "Would you like to move some money? It's a time you got to open window period." Right. I'm thinking, I don't know. Do I really want to move? So without having my um, agent to right. call. I wouldn't know what to do. Right. So it's good to know that you're there, not just to sell the policy, but to guide us through to the next step to make us right. successful. So I, I think that's really good. Well, the converse you have to feel like we talk about why
1: people run away from life insurance. They don't understand it. But you have to feel like when you do put your plan in place to remain committed to it. That's good. That you chose in your heart, in your mind, what was actually best for you. Because you did a love letter. Right. It's your love letter.
0: You did a love letter. You decide what it says. Crystal, how do you help us um, when you're meeting with a client to make that commitment to understand that? Is it just really helping them understand this love letter? Because we know historically, at least I do personally, that when funds get tight the first thing that drops is okay i don't know the need life insurance 10 dollars for the life insurance and you're thinking 10 dollars a month i had a
1: conversation a couple of days ago with a young lady who uh, four children at home mm-hmm. not you know not in school and um she's you know asked for prices and i'm not going to this is the only price that i'm going to give out because people really need to individualize their, their plan But the amount that we decided she needed was going to be $35 a month, which is a term policy. That's a dollar and 60 cents a a day. day. Now, I walked in with a cup from Starbucks.
0: Oh, you just helped somebody.
1: If you go through the drive-thru at Starbucks every day and you don't have life insurance... Then the choice that you've made is coffee over legacy right so you just said how much was the policy for it was i wrote it down because i want to so get like a hundred thousand it was a hundred thousand okay so a
0: hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars worth of benefits mm-hmm. to leave a love letter to your children or family or whatever mm-hmm. for 36 dollars a month right which is less than buying a cup of starbucks or right at McDonald's because I think that McDonald's is a dollar dollar, right? right? So it was, it's equal to buying a cup of coffee every, every day. day. But instead of sacrificing the cup of coffee right. so that we can pay that dollar for the insurance, we would drop it. Right. That's powerful. I love the way you just broke that down because I don't think we think about it. We look at the whole. Right. Versus breaking it down to that small common sense. Right. Wow. So how do you Is this how you give them an example of making sense of keeping this policy active? Yes.
1: I mean, I have a really good um, retention rate because I'm not selling policies. I'm helping people write these love letters to their family. So we have their, uh, my first year in business in 2009, you know, the pressure's on to sell, sell, sell. So I sold 132 life policies in 10 months. Wow. And two years later, only 65% of them were still in force. And that's the last time I've ever done that. I don't do that. Um, we have these conversations. We put together a plan and and I get a commitment from you to keep this in place so it's
0: enforced on the day that
1: you die. Otherwise it's all for nothing.
0: And I can personally mm-hmm. attest because I tell you Crystal is our agent mm-hmm. and she is like my encyclopedia, my resource for questions that I have. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I know I can text you, email you right. and you respond. I feel like you're on this journey with us mm-hmm. making sure we have the right things right. in place. We only have a few minutes left, but I think it's important for us just to continue this a little bit longer. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Um, and I wanna go, when we come jump back in, I wanna jump in talking about going through the process of once I've met with you and now I know I want a a policy what do I have to go through what are my steps sometimes I know there's um, medical Mm -hmm. um processes that we have to go through so stay with us we're going to um jump right back in this conversation this is Charlene with Soul Sisters Talk and we're talking about the importance of planning for your love letter